0: Hey man, how's it going?
1: Oh dude, I'm just doing alright man, I'm just out here trying to have a good time
0: You having any good time with any new tunes lately bro?
1: Yeah man, so I've
0: been listening to Weezer a little bit, the new album Whoa, the Teal album or the Black album? Yeah <laughs> Yeah man, and I'm listening to that Gary Clark stuff, it's pretty rad dude, pretty rad Yeah,
1: I'm rad dude
0: as rad as those guitar solos in both those albums, bro. What's
1: a guitar? <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, man. What are you doing after the show?
0: I don't know. I Maybe listen to some podcasts or something. I don't know. So
1: me and my buddies are going to go huff some cheese its and listen to this new podcast. You trying to join?
0: Hell yeah, let's
1: do it. <laughs> Radical.
0: All right, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Son of a Ginger. I'm your host, Patrick Baylor, joined always by co-host Mason Moreau. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest. We have returning guest Joe Chimura from Nashville, a music legend, musician at least.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to be here, guys, and I like your new studio space.
0: Yes, it's not a uh, an overpriced living room in the West Midtown area. And we are West Midtown, and over here, too, and we're Midtown in about two cool albums that came out the last two weeks. We got This Land by Gary Clark Jr., his third studio album, and then a little bit later we're going to talk about Weezer's 13th studio album, titled Weezer, a.k.a. The Black Album. 13 and many more to come, apparently. Many more to come, apparently. But we'll get to that after we talk Mr. G. Clark Jr., who has been really working in the studio since his last album, Sunny Boy Slim. That came out in 2015 This one This land That came out February 22nd Has 17 songs Including bonus tracks
1: Which uh, seems to be The trend in music Nowadays From what I've gathered With Drake Releasing albums Calling them playlists I think we get more Of a taste of that With this album As uh, it's kind of A little taste of everything
0: Very tasty indeed Because we see it With Drake's albums And I feel like We do it with this one In that You're just trying to see What sticks I guess It's just, you're trying to trick all the algorithms. Exactly. Post Malone's as well. Get on as many playlists as possible.
1: But uh, this also, if I'm not mistaken, is Gary Clark's first album as a citizen of California or living in LA. Is that correct? Made the move from Austin, Texas.
0: Yes. After, I guess, dating his model girlfriend or wife for a few years, he's got that Los Angeles lifestyle. And I think it really shows in this one, you know, we still have a lot of tracks that are his OG, you know, blues-based, long guitar solos, very Stevie Ray Vaughan-y type of stuff, but then it has reggae tracks, this has hip-hop stuff, this has, like, you know, some 90s hip-hop stuff with that good old Oh, yeah. And
1: like Cardi B sounds, but with a guitar. Whoa! And also, can't forget the uh, Gotta Get Into Something, which is your good old-fashioned Ramone's Mixed with Johnny B. Good style. I liked the up-tempo, simplified
2: punk rock thing from the Ramones and sort of throwing some blues flair into it as well.
0: What were your big takeaways from this album? Joe, do you feel like this LA lifestyle has really bled into this Austin bred guitarist sounds? So I definitely
1: believe that um, with this album, I know his other albums have definitely been not all over the map, but experimental in certain ways with, hey, let me try this sound. This is a little more hip-hop. I enjoy this music, so I'm going to try and recreate it in a way that sounds Gary Clark Jr. And my personal opinion to summarize it is it works in some places and in other places. Maybe it's not the best to add a dark-toned bluesy guitar to come in, you know, a Soft song. I, I know, for example, this uh, "I Got My Eyes On You" song. I really enjoyed the entire build up of the track and the way it was going until they went into the chorus where the lyrics weren't very strong and the guitar was just a little too punchy for the vibe that I was getting from the initial couple minutes of the track.
0: Yeah, because that one starts and kind of is you know just like this sultry R and B thing going on, mm. and then I don't know where. If you're playing a sultry R&B song, you're probably trying to chill out. And then just hearing a... Exactly. exactly. That, that'd take me out of whatever mood I'm trying to evoke, listening to the beginning part of it. I don't know, lyrically, like, I never look too big into his lyrics anyway. His instrumentation speaks for himself. In this one, he just goes, I got my eyes on you. Seems a little bit better. I'm, I'm going to lay you down.
1: It's very cliche. It's, it's fine, but yeah. you know, it's in to a, the point. Though. In, a, in an album where it seems he's trying to make a statement with certain things, you would expect a little more lyrical prowess or at least effort towards the lyrics.
0: Lyrical prowess or maybe just things built together a little bit more. I think once I heard, you know, the title track, which I thought was just badass. I can see it like opening Spike Lee's next movie or something like that, you know, just very profound and portrait of general racism in america and just what he's feeling as an african-american artist as he finds success and all that good stuff you know i wish he kind of touched more upon that because one thing hoping more with you know having a more questionable president and stuff like that is that we would get music that defies that president we had it with bush with the bush years with good old green day i'm sure many others and you can't forget
1: the dixie chicks and the dixie chicks of (laughs)
0: course And other than hip hop, this seems like the first foray into modern and like, you know, kind of popular rock music. We had a couple others. There's like, I think, a full album once Trump got inaugurated, rooted in that anger. And then just kind of to make a quick buck, While I feel like this one, at least that track was based off of a couple of years of trying to understand his frustrations with what's going on politically.
2: I don't think this album appears to be jumping on the hype train of being mad about Donald Trump and about systemic racism. I think it's more of, with the song This Land, it's more of just sort of painting a portrait and complaining about the shit that he's experiencing. Writing songs about what's making
0: him angry. What you traditionally write songs about. But yeah, so we really only get it with this track, and I wish we had more, but yeah, Joe, like you said, we get that with kind of every Gary Clark Jr. album where maybe he picks one or two things and then otherwise it's just, hey, here's a reggae track, here's an R&B track, here's like an old school bluesier track, here's another R&B track, you know. I think, yeah, lyrically, you know, I just, yeah, I wish he built more upon what I thought was really cool about this land.
1: Musically, I think this track in particular for, as we mentioned before, Definitely my favorite Bow Wow of the entire album.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that What About Us is actually uh, one of my favorite tracks on this album. I think that one should have personally been the first track and then gone into this land as a punch. It would have been more impactful in my opinion.
0: I think so too. And I thought What About Us was cool because it has an old school rock vibe to it, early 2000s. AKA, it sounds a lot like Lenny Kravitz. I th- yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot like Lenny Kravitz. I mean, you know? Exact so Same thing. Yeah, that would have been cool to build on, of like take the old and then bring in the new with this land because I would say this land was very still original. Brought in the hip hops, brought in the, ring, ring, ring. and I in think, the hip hops. Well, it had good good hip hop beats and it did. like lyrically, like it could be a hip hop song, you know. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think the delivery necessarily succeeds in every part of that though, as we see later in the album. The bluesier tracks, Lowdown, Rolling Stone, The Governor, Dirty Dishes, which may be a little bit more conventionally blues. Oh, it's, uh it's a blues song. Oh, right yeah. yeah. The, the Dirty Dishes is actually uh, one of my favorite uh, on the album. But I feel like Gary really shines in this, just coming from his roots in Austin. And it's the worst thing in the world to tell an artist, listen, like, here, buddy, like, stay in your lane, whatever. It's awesome to hear him experimenting. I just, I wish that it would be in a way that was more melodic if that makes any sense, because as we were talking about earlier with that first title track, I think the, the chorus is something that's definitely heavy, it's definitely supposed to pack a punch, and it's not supposed to be melodic. There's no part of that that is supposed to be sweet or singing along to, humming along. It's, it's very trudging.
0: It's much more anthemic. Yeah. And I think that's what he gets in all of his tracks. I think the chorus is the most important part, it seems like. The verses almost kind of just seem like a vehicle to get to the chorus and then get to the cool guitar solo that he mm-hmm. does towards the end, you know?
2: Yeah, I think overall, my opinion on Gary Clark Jr. hasn't really changed with this album, where I like very much enjoy watching him perform live but listening to one of his albums is sort of a different story. The track list is incredibly long. I feel like this album is very padded out with a whole bunch of stuff that Gary Clark Jr. was experimenting with, like you said, Joe. It's hit or miss, and so that it's a little bit of a dangerous road to walk when you're going to fill your album out with a whole bunch of stuff that may or may not work because it may cause the listener to lose interest.
0: I mean, truly trying to see what lands because what landed the most for me was I thought that Ramonzi track Gotta Get Into Something, was my favorite one. I see that open up some either some kind of action movie or then like some teen movie where someone's got to get somewhere <laughs> we're rushing we're rushing oh! or like just some kind of like race car movie i enjoyed that and i
1: i didn't hate the uh the reggae track as well which i think he had elements of reggae in that first i hate to keep going back to the first track but as well with the guitar in that but i i was not a fan of the quantized drums i think if you're a Gary Clark Jr and you play with a badass live drummer
0: yeah
1: it, it, you know, maybe leave that, maybe leave that off. Cause,
0: cause it's even more apparent feeling like a million, like he has fun with guitar and then, you know, with just how he sings it and mm-hmm. then that what helps with it. But like one of the bonus tracks, highway 71, that literally is the drum loop. And then I think him just having fun one night and just, yeah, rah, rah, rah. That, that, yeah the whole song is just a guitar solo. Anyway, yeah. I don't think he sings at all. So I'm guessing that Gary just had some fun in the studio. He did. And that's why he has 17 songs, because yeah. obviously now it's like they don't have to worry if they have enough data to fit on the CD, you know? Yeah. So they're going to make as many as they want. And he's sort of at the point in his
2: career where he can do whatever he wants now. Yeah. like and it's He's a bona fide, proven musician, proven talent in the industry, one of the only people performing real rock and roll and blues.
0: You know, this will be high praise, but, I mean, you guys tell me anyone that rivals him right now of... He is this generation's guitar god. You know, of the previous generation of early two thousands, it was Jack White and John Mayer. He's easily has the twenty tens decade as his own. Like this he's the guitar god. You know? I don't no see anyone one else. can emote
1: currently the way that Gary Clark Jr. does on a guitar. No one can put across that tone, that amount of just passion through a guitar sound. And uh I think that's what sets this apart where, where this album is pieced together. With elements of just okay, maybe this is a little more experimental, but Gary's guitar playing definitely brings it home. Like even if it's a song where it's like okay, this is this is tough to get through, you have him come in with a guitar solo at the end that just kind of pieces it all together. Yeah, but but that's uh, also the thing about the album is
2: that like while I was listening to it, I was just like, oh, another guitar solo. Like it's it's another guitar solo I have to listen to. That's uh, before we get to the next track, and then there's another guitar solo, and it's like I like watching him play a solo for six minutes live. But then you know, having every song ended in a solo, I'm just like, okay, well, like let's get to the
1: next song, please. Or, or, you know or what I mean? Mix it up a little as to where the solos are, in the way maybe a little more uh, guitar parts instead of just solos, like some some cool things with that. But uh, yeah, I also think that like there were, there are cool aspects of his experimentation that that he made it work. I like that song, "Don't Wait Till Tomorrow." I thought it was. Sounded like Marvin Gaye mixed with Drake, and uh, I think he uses the guitar on that a, li- a little more uh, deliberately. Yeah, deliberately. Yeah, and I love the the bongo kind of hits at the beginning. I think that's very Marvin Gaye esque. It's cool. One other thing with this album that just bothered me was I feel like his falsetto hits in certain songs, like it, it definitely works, but uh,
0: this song, I mean, "Feed the Babies" was just falsetto. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Feed which, the Babies!
1: which I don't think was as bad as. Uh, is it I walk alone? That's the one before the reggae track. Yeah. Oh man, I think his falsetto is just like it's not. It's not quite there for that entire song, and it's just tough. That one was tough for me to listen.
0: The same thing. Instrumentation saves it because I, I thought that one was an OG Gary Clark Jr. sounding song. Mm-hmm. You know, it hit mm-hmm. all the same notes that any song from Black and Blue or Sunny Boy Slim would have hit. Like that could have been put on any album. So I think that saves it. I mean, yeah, my takeaways are. I still think that like his guitar solos especially like, really helped and I think made some songs the coolest ones. Pearl Cadillac. And then, again, maybe because I watched that live when he performed on SNL. The way he emoted for that during each thing, and then it was like, I think, a three-minute solo might be a little too extra. Yeah, Especially, yeah, I guess, Mason listening to that on an album where you do want to just get to the 17th song if you're just trying to get through it all. But. Yeah,
2: I mean, I wasn't just like... I wasn't listening to it so that I could like looking forward to it ending it got too repetitive with having all of these songs end in a solo where i wasn't even paying attention Mm -hmm. to the guitar playing anymore i was just like let's get to the next song now like i've heard this same solo like
0: four times already a little bit too much of a formula
2: yeah like back to my original point i am not sold on gary clark jr as an artist artist who can compose an album in a way that makes it seem like a cohesive piece yeah Because I feel like if he had one giant solo that was in maybe some sort of ballad at the end, and he had solos peppered throughout the album, and it was more like an American Idiot, where it was an idea that was sort of structured and layered and made into a cohesive group of songs rather than... I mean, this album is more experimental. Yeah, it's sort of a
0: a compilation of things that he was just trying out. Yeah. Before we uh, pivot, I want to ask, I think this is going to be like his biggest, at least in selling units, his biggest album. So, do y'all smell a sequel? Do y'all smell the next album? What do you expect for album four? For This Land 2? This Land 2? Or, like, that's the thing. Do you think he goes through his Spotify charts and see that This Land did really well, or then instead sees that Don't Wait Till Tomorrow did really well, and then, you know, if one does well, make a more hip-hop rock album a little more reminiscent of like a rage against the machine or then does something where it's a little bit more princey where there's rock and r&b just always together
2: what do you guys think i foresee his next album being a live album probably because that's I, what I, happens i assume that like he'll go on tour but his next studio album then? oh i don't know i'd like to see him like play around with funk a little
1: that would be cool. The li- the live album is one of my favorite albums of his. Yeah, back to my yeah. original point, you know, he's yeah. he's a live player. But I think for the sequel here, we're just going to get uh Pop Goes Punk, right? <laughs> pop but uh goes pop, <laughs> pop. instead of that, Gary Clark Jr. plays guitar solos over pop charts. <laughs> I'm fine with that, man. You can put a song together. We see that, but let's let's. If you gave me at some point, I think if you gave me a Sia song and you just played a badass guitar solo, I'd get a similar vibe of this album, and I'd li- I'd listen to Sia song and enjoy that a little more. So that's that's my take on it.
0: I think I would too. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of musicianship, make a damn polka song and put a cool guitar solo in it. Why not? I think as long as he is continuing to further rock and then what he is doing is still furthering rock, showing how he can enhance other genres, I think helps everyone in music. Because that's half the fun of music is combining what works from different genres and making new things. That's, that's creativity in a nutshell. Fair enough. So speaking of creativity, we have yet another creative album from our boys, Weezer. 13th studio album. And they are just churning them out at this point. This is the Black Album. They were going to put this out at the end of 2017, and then they made Pacific Daydream instead. Mason and I have reviewed that already, so we have our thoughts on those. But then between that, they also put out the Teal album, another self-titled album, full of covers, which I think low-key just was a marketing stunt for let people know, hey, the Black Album's out, by the way, because that's what they've been doing for all of their press junket stuff. It's like, oh, hey, here's a Black Album song, and then here's Take On Me. Enjoy. They sort of capitalized on, I think it was some
2: sort of Reddit thread or Twitter <laughs> hashtag. Get Weezer to cover Africa for some reason. Like, I I don't know where that started. <laughs> they ended up doing it, and then Toto covered Hashpipe really badly. I don't know. I Weezer, Weezer's sort of becoming this, like, novelty band. 100%. And they, they've seen this resurgence in the past 12 months due to that buzz they got from covering Africa. And then they were just
0: like, we'll cover a whole bunch of 80s songs and we'll put them on an album. And then now they have the Black Album. And I think they used the Teal album to kind of mark their next chapter in whatever like internet age thing that they do because they've always been doing gimmicks. Like I think, I forgot what song it was, but one song was on like the Windows 95 like loading disk or something like that. That's so Weezer. I know. And then Pork (laughs) and Beans was just every person from like when you when YouTube started out. So, you know, it's 12 years later, but you know, same thing, they're. Going to Twitter and going to meme culture, seeing that for some reason kids these days love Africa and Fortnite, and I think one of their lyrics they mentioned jewels. So what, really? I think so. I need to see which one, but they're using what the kids like and try to stay in this like little vacuum of youth that they've been trying to hold on to since since the Blue Album and Pinkerton days, you know. Which Rivers actually references in uh, is that the lead single
1: of this album, High as a Kite. He says, yeah. I just want to disappear and play for the kids, right? Yes. Which which is very, I think this album, in a weird way, you can say it's formulaic pop, you could say it's straightforward. I think it's a little bit postmodern in the sense that it's pretty self-aware. It's pretty, hey, we're Weezer, we're old guys, we're playing this music, you're going to like it or you're not, but we're going to have a good time doing it. Where I stand with it, as a Weezer fan, I think... uh the first show I went to with you guys was a Weezer show, actually. Right, yes, in 2010. You touched Rivers' butt. I he did. You ran around man. To, play, to sing "Pork and Beans." That's it. You didn't wash my hand for two weeks. Ooh, yeah. Just just to bring it to my uh, Rivers Cuomo fan club meeting there. <laughs> but uh, I thought yeah. we saw you
0: at that meeting. Nice, nice. <laughs>
1: it's it's been about 10 years since I've seen them, and they've gone from. I know Mason was saying as we we're listening uh, earlier, they've gone from. Edgier nerd alternative band to seeing a little bit of pop success with Rick Rubin's help with Beverly Hills and make believe, and then just kind of riding that wave and doing what they're doing. So, you know, more power to them. If they're going to, I'm not necessarily going to be playing their stuff on repeat, but I'll tell you what, if I go to a music festival and I see Weezer's playing, I'm also not going to not go see Weezer. How could you not? Yeah, how could you not? It's a way of nostalgia. Right. So we're in this generation of everything's very nostalgic heavy, nostalgia-based. And I feel like some of the tracks on this album are very 2007, 2008, like Flo Rida songs or something almost. <laughs> with the Yeah, hit there. we were listening to it, and I was like, this sounds like Dashboard. Yeah, exactly. And this is coming from River's brain, where he's just sitting there, and he's like, oh, I've got these fun melodies. I'm not going to necessarily try and make this the most unique thing ever. Maybe if I like this about this music, I'm just going to put it there. I'm going to put it out there. And that says something about the, the generation that we're listening to music and uh, just the way it's consumed. And everything, just why not put it out there, put it on Spotify, get it going.
0: And Mason and I have said before, like at this point in their career, Weezer really is a quantity instead of quality kind of mm, band. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because they are creatively finding out what the best thing is and they're always touring, like always touring. So if they're going to find out that their cover of Toto and Take On Me does well and does better than Byzantine or Too Many Thoughts then so be it, you know? They had fun making those creative decisions. And then, hey, maybe along the way that, you know, Zombie Bastards becomes their biggest hit for the next few years. I don't think so. That was one of the Flow Rider songs I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. I think, you know, High as a Kite is, at least, in my opinion, the best track from this album. And I think, yeah, because of those self-referential lyrics. And it's just... It's nice, man. Very
1: Beatles y, like melodic. Uh it's it's has an artistic statement. And here's my little crackpot theory that I was kinda getting into a little bit early, with I feel like they've fallen into this trap of the internet, as you said, and the way that media is consumed nowadays on the internet, it's it's content based, right? You say that they're a band of quantity, they're just putting it out there because if you're not making content, if you're not putting it out there, then you're presumably irrelevant. In this day and age. So I think Rivers Cuomo in this song, he's talking about it, is just has this huge fear of just becoming irrelevant. And I think his art has definitely suffered because of it.
2: All of the albums since Hurley have seen like Weezer's fight to stay relevant. And I think that listening to this album, all of the songs on it, just hearing these songs, don't sound anything like the band that played Say It Ain't So.
0: I think I was like listening to like just part of like Alt Nation the other day. And for some reason, I think in celebrating that these had a new album they just played some live album or something from like the Hollywood Bowl or something like that again it was long ago so it was when all these hits were first coming out and yeah they were young guys and there was just a certain grit that we don't get anymore in these albums like even if it's just basic power chords there's some kind of character in there that i don't think we have anymore thing that i think is both genius and a little bit frustrating with river's songwriting style is that he you know just uses a giant excel sheet with song ideas that he has he also has said how much he loves Excel in previous interviews towards like <laughs> borderline sexual I don't know how it's gotten there but pandering to the nerd audience and he's I mean yeah so nerd 100% but what is frustrating is that like for every high as a kite there's like two living in LA's or Prince Who Wanted Everything where like the beats just sound like you know the Boots and Cats beats that we just kept hearing like in Ratitude for example where that was, again, a little bit more pandery. So I wonder if it's just the flow of Weezer of like, hey, you get one white album and then you get two albums afterwards that are a little pandery and a little, hey, let's get some content out of there. Then they regroup for a few years after another hiatus and then make another great thing. Because white album, in my opinion, last great Weezer album. The Last two oh, yeah. content. Agree. You know, something that I still listen to, but... I'll listen to the full white album while with this one, I might just listen to some of the singles and that's kind of it, you know? I
2: agree. I would like to see them do a gray album where they take some of the ideas from this album and some of the ideas from the white album and put them together. Maybe we get another radio hit.
1: That would be very cool. Because I
2: feel like both of those albums are sort of the two sides of the Weezer coin, right? This sort of mainstream-focused, radio play, popularity-focused side of Weezer is the Black Album and the rock and roll nerds that have this sort of funny and unique perspective on things, right? The LA girls, please please act your aid. You see Weezer sort of shifting more towards the pop direction so much more now. And they've, they're sort of forgetting that little part that,
1: that made them unique.
0: Unique nerdy perspectives.
1: Yeah. Right. That's it. And I just think it's so interesting that uh, was this. I'm looking at this now. Everything will be all right in the end. Was 2014? Yeah, that was their and, first uh, one
0: back after their quote unquote hiatus. The yeah, to
1: regroup, you know. Now we get the track like back to the shack, uh, where it's just basically apologizing for writing formulaic pop music, as with uh, Hurley, um, some of the stuff off of. What's the one with Little Wayne? There is that. No, that's that's Ratatouille. Uh, oh, that's Ratatouille. in
2: this wheezy can't stop partying.
1: Oh, yep. there we go. Just follow the smoke. They're bringing Ooh. bottles of the goose. goose. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into we have the white album, which is great—a little Beach Boys esque, maybe Beatles, you know. And then we go into Pacific Daydream and the black album, which are yeah. two very almost art pop like in certain certain areas with uh, Byzantine... So Lady Gaga. Yeah.
0: Byzantine Lady
1: Gaga, you think? I liked that track, too. I thought it was cool. I I was actually kind
0: of joking, but if you agree, then... uh, I mean, that was a bossa nova song. Yeah. You know, like, what I got from this album, and then I'll say with the Gary Clark Jr. album as well, if anyone has any kind of older keyboard, piano, or something like that, and then there's, like, just drum loops that you could play along to, listening to both of these on shuffle... That's what I got. It's like, all right, here's sixteen beat blues rock, and here's here's Bossa Nova, and here's nineties R and B, here's two thousands, and then, you know I I uniquely then listen to both of these in a row, but that's kind of what I got of just me scrolling through different beats and there's nothing that unique
1: about here's here's the layout, like here's what we're gonna do. Let's just fill in the blanks here. But uh I would be doing myself and the band a disservice is to just kind of sit here and pick apart what I don't like about it because I, I do think that having music intelligence is being able to say what you enjoyed about the music. So I think at the end of the day, as much as I can sit here and be like, oh gosh, this is just like, some of this is very, uh, like let's hang on the one and just drone it um, and then kind of play around with some cliche melodic lines. I'd be lying to you if I wasn't listening to a song and then five minutes later have it going in my head, right? I think Rivers Cuomo oh, yeah. has a definite gift for Melody and uh, for getting that across. So maybe it's a shameless look into that gift, but... There's <sighs> certainly some earworms on this album.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, Zombie Bastards, very repetitive, but I was humming it most of the car ride, you know? Zombie Bastard, get it up my die. die.
1: Piece of cake,
0: zombie Buster. Yes. Literally, piece of cake. Do 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 do. I, I, I can just see me just literally humming that on an elevator as mm-hmm. it's a little bit elevator music, but it's catchy. I liked "Piece
1: of Cake" a lot, and actually. that's why I think White Album succeeded so much because it took every it it basically dissected their all that old alternative music that everyone was like, "This is dark metal guitars, like this is like." like in the blue album and stuff like that where it's like, okay, this is like cool nerd rock and stuff like basement, dark, grungy tones. But there's these incredible melody lines that rivers comes in singing and does guitar parts over and just has the band all in unison, even like harmonies and stuff. So I think that is, has just been completely cut out of the old shell that it was in for lack of a better term and just been shamelessly placed out as here's pop music. I completely agree. Rivers has the magic in him. Nice,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mason. Which uh, which track brought the magic for you? Piece of cake for sure was a standout track for me. I think that was my favorite on the album.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, yeah, high as a kite. That's the one I was mm. humming once that single was released. And also, very fun music video where they look like they're on a Mister Rogers set, and then hilarity ensues as they rock and roll progresses in the song. <laughs> Also, Can't Knock the Hustle, mm. repetitive, but fun music video. And then it's Pete Wentz driving around an Uber and things get like crazy with like how like every passenger just shows up and a more insane thing occurs in the back of the Uber. But you Can't Knock the Hustle. Can't Knock the Hustle for the meme game, too. Ooh,
1: ah. I liked uh, Can't Knock the Hustle as well. That and Byzantine, I thought they were definitely unique takes on this new pop formula and high as a kite obviously and was it i'm just being honest the one that we were listening to in the car
0: it had some strokes vibes to it strokes and you two. i Mm. said the
1: first thing i said was you two, and then also from the new york scene i said interpol okay it had a very interpol vibe just to it
0: like you know
1: yeah with cool guitar parts
0: nothing wrong with those so do we smell a sequel for this one fellas
2: I'd certainly smell a sequel. Weezer's going to be creating color albums for the rest of
0: their lives. I think so, too. And I thought for a second that I thought this might be the last thing, but I mean, Rivers doesn't stop. And I just read that he's got not one, but two more in the works already. Two more color albums? Not color albums, but two more albums in general. He went on with Zane Lowe and said that he's got one album called OK Human, where it's Supposed to be a little bit more uh, piano driven, like at least with the songwriting. So, play on Radiohead's OK Computer. <laughs> I think so. There we go. And then another one called Van Weezer, literally saying, like, Hey, the crowd really loves it when we play a lot of guitar solos and stuff at our live shows. Let's just make a guitar heavy, crazy awesome album. So, a piano and guitar album, two different albums coming out. Van Weezer. Van Weezer. Like Van Halen. Exactly. Exactly. Great are y'all looking forward to those or are you just tired at this point? I think Mason's a little tired. (laughs) I don't know. I would probably listen to it. (laughs) I think with, at this point, like with any Weezer fan, it's like, Oh, like, you know how like Spotify will just say like an artist you like has a new album coming out. It's like, all right, cool. Another Weezer one. Thanks guys. Sure. I'll listen to this on my commute. Sounds great. Thanks Um, Weezer. See,
1: if I'm being honest
0: with you, you're just being honest.
1: If I'm just being honest, That this album, if I weren't reviewing this with you guys, would have gotten shut off after the third song. Really? So um, I did. I'm glad I listened to it. There were parts of it that I, I think are cool, and I'll go back to. But this, I I definitely skipped Pacific Daydream. Definitely skipped that one. I, I skipped that whole album. Ago. Oh yeah, uh, no, I just didn't listen to it. So <laughs> yeah, I skipped it too. Yeah, that's right. I uh, think I
0: was the only one that listened to it. Well, hey, oh wait, I, no, did we review it? We did review it, Mason. Oh, there we go. It's that skippable that you don't even remember our review of it. You remember uh, Taylor Swift's reputation much more, right?
1: Yeah. Listen to that uh,
2: episode. I guys. just remember how many times I said Jack Antonoff in,
1: <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> oh, let's not get started on that album.
0: Well, with that, if you guys want to listen to our old music review episodes and any other old episodes, we got a lot now on our Spotify stitcher apple podcasts and the local radio (laughs) shack where you can get your windows 95 install dvd that's awesome (laughs) i want to find a garage sale copy of the weezer
1: song release with windows 95 and then you know bill gates was
0: thrilled you know bill gates (laughs) loves weezer man (laughs) I mean, Bill Gates looks a little bit like Rivers, so, you know.
1: Conspiracy theory. Rivers Cuomo is actually a Microsoft robot. And this is just the formula gone awry. <laughs> and
0: he's just a big Microsoft Excel ad after saying how much he there loves we his grid and oh, We're Summer. tying it together here. This is scary. Well, y'all, please enjoy our other podcasts. Listen to these uh, albums on your own and form your own opinions yourself on your Spotify's, Apple Musics, and whatever else. with that, gentlemen, I've been Patrick Baylor.
2: I've been Mason Moreau, Joe
0: Chimura.